three, two, one. Please, no, please, everyone be quiet. Welcome back to the Show Me Show podcast for episode five. Me and Luke back at it. Um, we got some more college basketball talk this week. The NFL, there was actually a little bit going on in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, a little baseball stuff, not exactly good. Um, we've got a couple of segments as well. And some NFL combine talk as well. Um, but we're going to just jump right into the college hoop stuff. Oh, that one just spun in and out. And oh. um, we got Loyola, Chicago, and Drake in the background. Uh, Missouri the- Valley Conference Championship game. So whoever wins this, guaranteed spot in, in the big dance. Yep. Uh, if you notice, if you're watching on YouTube, we got a little bit of a different setup going on here we've spaced out a little bit uh we think that this will help with the microphone echo that was going on in the last episode that we had to scrap um so far so good but uh hopefully we don't get any more problems but yeah certainly big week of college basketball the last one last regular season week yep yep uh today is actually the last day of regular season college basketball yep so, uh, obviously, we're not watching that right now. We're watching postseason. But most just, every team is done now because yesterday was the big day where almost all the conferences finished their their games. Yeah. Obviously, uh, we just actually got done. Well, I did. Watching Michigan and Ohio State. Michigan took down Ohio State in Columbus, which actually might guarantee them a spot in the tournament. They have wins against Purdue, Iowa, Michigan State, and now Ohio State since February. Yeah, I there's certainly a team that is going to be in the conversation. That win is going to help them get on the right side of the bubble. Ohio State right now is really, really falling. I think they've lost their last three games now against unranked opponents. So they are certainly on the downslide here, go heading into the postseason. That's never what you want to be hitting into the postseason. So that might be a team we could see with the first round exit. You never know, though. They could pull out a win. Um, but Michigan, I think, is on the right side of the bubble now. Um, keep in mind they're doing this all without their coach because uh, he committed assault on live television. But very impressive team I think I think they will get in whether it's the first four or the, the the last four in you know where they have to play the playing games or they'll just get in as like an 11 seed or something um I just can't wait I mean it's been and not it's been it's only a week until selection Sunday yeah one week exactly um Phil Martelli three and two as the head coach Acting head coach for Michigan. Uh, solid finish, I guess, down the stretch. Over 500, I guess, is what you want. Um, Luke has been composing something on Twitter. We call it <laughs> The Thread. Luke, do you want to tell us about The Thread? Uh, yeah, I I would love to. So basically this year I've I've said on past podcasts that I've developed an, developed an interest in the mid-major schools and just tracking them and stuff. And at this time last week, almost every team was eligible or they were still in the running to win the national championship other than a few teams that uh, are freshly new to the D1 slate and they aren't eligible, such as teams like Bellarmine, which plays in the Atlantic Sun Conference Tournament on Tuesday. And that that uh, game and conference is an interesting scenario that I actually had no idea about until yesterday. That could happen. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, and so – as these mid-major tournaments are going on, particularly the Big South, the Southern, the Patriot, uh, Ohio Valley, some of the big ones that have been going on this week, as they're going on and every team loses, they're eliminated. And so this thread, it's, it's on my Twitter account. Uh, the start of it is, is my pinned tweet, actually. So if you just go to my Twitter account, you'll find it really easily. And 
whenever a team gets eliminated, I tweeted out that so-and-so is officially eliminated, you know. And I think right now we're up to about 80 teams, mm-hmm. roughly. Last night it was around 70, so 80, probably be close to 100 by the end of the day today. So only about 250 teams left that could contend for a title, which is still a lot of teams. But uh, it's it's been very fun, you know, tracking all these results and, you know, one by one eliminating the teams. And it'll go all the way through the NCAA tournament up until the last game um, when the winner is crowned. Uh, so this, this thread will continue for another month or so. Uh, and it, it's going to be just as cool as it is now. So that that is the thread. Uh, I thought about maybe creating one for teams that like clinch their spot, but that's not as cool, I don't think, because yeah. Like and most of the most of the clinches will be done on selection Sunday, and then everyone will know that they made the tournament. So it's not as cool that way. Um, I kind of feel like John Rothstein here in a little bit, you know, just tracking all the mid-major schools in college basketball. Uh, that that's kind of what I feel like, honestly. Just a, a big guy like that, but he obviously knows a lot more than me. But uh, some schools that have actually already punched their ticket to the big dance by winning their conference tournament. Murray State beat Moorhead State in the Ohio Valley Conference Championship game last night. A uh, very close game. Murray State now moves to 30-2. and two. They are probably going to be the only team that has 30 wins going into the tournament. Maybe Arizona could catch them. Uh, I think they need three or four more. So that could be done in the tournament if it's three. Um but Murray State, they're, they're hot, you know. They only have two losses, 30 wins, and they went undefeated in their conference. Yeah, so really impressive. Very hot team. Right now I think they're looking at seven or eight seed, which in my opinion is a little bit low for a 30-win team regardless of what conference they play in. But, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, with all that going on, uh, I realized earlier this week – Last week, I said Arkansas rushed the court, but they didn't. SEC was going to lay down the $250,000 hammer of a fine on the university if they rushed the court. So I thought they rushed the court, but they didn't. So I just want to apologize for that. (sighs) Um, In fact, the Storm Chasers weren't even admitted into that game. They wouldn't even let them go in. Um, Probably because they didn't want the... The two hundred fifty thousand dollar fine. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, Wisconsin earlier this week clinched the regular season title and Big a throwing Ten title. Game. Yes, yeah. that was a an amazing game. I I didn't get to watch all of it, but the parts that I did watch were really fun to watch. That was that's a tournament style game right there, and it just gets me excited for March. I think that was actually on the first day of March too, if I recall. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I noted this down because I was talking about it last week or maybe two weeks ago. As of Wednesday, Xavier is losing too many games here down the stretch. That St. John's loss was really bad. I don't know if they're going to be able to get in anymore. Uh, They right now are still in, according to most bracketologists. Um, According to me, they're not in, though, because – their record sucks. Their team sucks. Their wins aren't quality. I don't understand how they're a tournament team. Like this, it doesn't make any. It's not like they're an SEC. They're a Big East squad, which is still a big conference. But mm-hmm. it just doesn't make any sense to me how they're in. BYU is the same way. They have some really, really bad losses and not enough quality wins. And for some reason, they're still treated as a tournament team. Those are the two teams that I think will make the tournament that don't deserve to, but they could also be the ones that maybe first four out. Yeah. Now, BYU certainly hasn't done enough either mm-hmm. in, in the West Coast Conference. Hey, they're, they're, they're good this year, though. What, the WCC? Yeah. Yeah. No, it is, but the they Zag. haven't won enough. Uh, Yeah, I Exactly. Like one of their biggest wins of the year came at the beginning and it was against Utah. 
and Utah finished 11th in the Pac-12 conference this year. They had a losing record. So that's not a big win at all. I mean, that's not that's not a win that's going to get you over the top into the tournament. That's my opinion on BYU. Uh, Longwood, funny name, also bunched their ticket to the big dance. Mm-hmm. Earlier this morning with a win over Winthrop in the Big South conference yeah. tournament. So they were the one seed going into that tournament. They were favored to win. Actually, they weren't favored to win this game, but they had the best record out of any team in their conference. They get to go deservedly. Um, I'm thinking they'll probably be around a 14 seed right now. They're a 15 seed, but we all know that, you know, some of the other teams that are up there right now might Still lose. Play. Yeah, they might lose in their conference tournament. So I'm thinking they'll probably be a 14 seed. Um, nothing really super special about them. No. Uh, interestingly enough, though, actually, Winthrop going into that game had won 10 in a row, and their last loss was to Longwood. Mm-hmm. So last two losses to Longwood, and their season's over. Well, I don't know. They might play in the CBI or NIT or something like that. Yeah, but. I think they had they had like eight losses on the year, so they are certainly quality teams still. I they might get some postseason play, it just won't be in the mm-hmm. in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Um, for me, it's been a great college basketball week for <laughs> UNC. Let me just start starting on Monday. UNC senior night was awesome. They played Syracuse, and it was a really great game. Syracuse just hangs around in every game it seems like um except against duke but it was a great senior night for the heels um they had to come back a little bit and seal it away it took overtime uh but they actually covered the eight and a half spread in overtime one by nine but it was a fun game and then most importantly last night saturday night coach k's goodbye tour goes in, goes out in shambles, loses his final home game at Cameron Indoor Stadium against none other than the Heels. Very tough scene for Coach K and the Duke fans. And the best part about it all was after the game, looking at all the people in the stands, all the tears, all the just the grumpy faces. It was so awesome. Uh, fed off of it. The, the funny part about that to me is – I assume you watched the post-game speech as well, like the ceremonies that they did for him, which was kind of cool because he's been – I mean, he took that program to the next level. He made him a, a blue-blood school. Um, he won multiple national titles, five, I do believe. He won. Five. That's an insane amount. He's been coaching for like 40-something years, which is ridiculous. Uh, so he's certainly one of the greats all time. But it was funny that it, when he was – he couldn't really say anything other than, oh, the season's not over. And the fans were chanting like, oh, we want six. Like, they they do have a good team, but I would be shocked if they came away with the sixth yeah. title this year. They just, you know, they notorious for choking in the tournament over the last, like, decade or so. Um, mm-hmm. Like Mercer and stuff like that. But, um, oh, God. uh Last night, I'll be completely honest, it was in the back of my head the whole day that, oh, my God, it would be incredible to crash this party. Incredible. But there was not a single bit of me that believed that they would actually do it because the heels have been so inconsistent this year, especially on the road in the ACC. But, man, they just kind of controlled it. They shot the ball so well, and Hubert Davis – Flat out, out coach, Coach K last night. It was awesome. You know, the semester hood had everybody there in the stands for Duke, which was, I guess, cool for them. But it was also cool to see them mad that they lost Coach K's last game. And then Coach K, of course, scolded his players. Yeah, it's unacceptable. He also uh, dodged Hubert Davis in the handshake line. No, that wasn't him. As much as I wish it was Coach K, it wasn't him. Oh. It was one of his assistants. Looks just like him. Yeah, well, except he was black. No, he wasn't. Yeah, he was. No, he the wasn't. It was a white guy that – No. Hubert Davis coach. was black. Yeah, but so was the other guy. He, no. The assistant coach that missed the handshake. 
was pretty mixed. Mm. I must, I must have not have been watching the tape very well. Yeah, you'll have to look at the film. Um, but yeah, not very classy either way. But Kay definitely did shake his hand as he should. Yeah. But with that being said, Duke still clinched the regular season title for the first time actually since 2010. And since then, Carolina and Virginia have both won five regular season titles. So they haven't won it since 2010, but they finally got another one. Oh, that's kind of insane to think about that they haven't won a regular season ACC title in 10 years. But yeah. I guess that just shows how bad the ACC is this year, maybe. Or maybe how good Duke is. It's one of the two. But uh, speaking of UNC, they're actually one of my teams that I have on my list of dangerous teams in the tournament. Oh, yeah, they're so pick, hot. Teams to pick, uh, to ride with. Uh, UNC is actually one of them. They've been getting hot lately, and after that win, that's going to get them going. I think if they could go on a run here in the ACC tournament, clinch their spot in the tournament with with a conference tournament win here, would be pretty a pretty epic way to go in. They probably get what a nine ten seed. Oh, I think they clinched last night, and it's no question about it anymore. The Duke win. Yeah, then, I know, but like officially clinch, I guess. Oh yeah, I mean, well, to officially clinch, they'd have to win it. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm talking about. You go in. Was it win three games in that tournament or four? Yeah, we'll have to win three because we're gonna be the three seed. Gotcha. So yeah, win three games, go in hot. No, yeah. And if you guys do make it to the championship, you play Duke most likely. Probably, although that one, it'll be interesting to see how they rebound from that game mm -hmm. because that was really bad. You know, a lot of people saying that's one of the biggest regular season wins for North Carolina ever mm -hmm. just because of the magnitude of that game. Did it for Roy. <laughs> yeah, did it for Roy. In fact, uh, Armando Baycott, Awesome guy. Awesome kid. Center for North Carolina. Right? Yes, center yeah. for North Carolina. FaceTime Roy in the locker room after the win, which was awesome. And there's a video circulating of Mondo and Brady Manick crying and hugging Coach Davis in the locker room, and it was pretty awesome. You know, they were hugging him like he was their dad, and it was pretty awesome. Yeah, very emotional win, I'm sure, for everyone on that team. Um Emotional wins can be empowering. Empowering, yeah. That's why they're on my – I mean, especially if they get like uh, maybe like a 11 or 10 seed, which I think if they win the turn, their conference tournament, they'll get probably maybe a 7 even. Oh, yeah, I believe so. I and, think it could even be higher than that. Yeah, and they get a good seed. Like maybe where they avoid the 1 or 2s, uh, they could go on a run here. And I will certainly pick them because they're hot right now. Another team I have is St. Mary's, the Gales, out of the West Coast Conference, one of the other schools. They actually are coming off a win against Gonzaga uh, on their senior night where they stormed the court. Um, they are a fun team to watch. And they're cooking right now. They've moved up from all the way up from like an 11 seed at the beginning of the month, and they've moved up all the way into the talks of being a five seed, which is some of the wins that they've had. Um, so they're they're a team that you can certainly uh, watch out for. I, I'm picking them to potentially go on a run here. Memphis is another team. They are hot, and they're getting healthy. That has been their biggest problem all year is they've had their three stars. Uh, I'm blanking on their names here because I'm not real big Memphis. Enthusiast, but their three big stars have been hurt almost the entire year. One of them just came back last week, um, and another one is expected back for the American Conference Tournament. So not only are they winning and winning big, but they're getting healthy. That team could be another UCLA, you know, because they're probably going to get last four in and might have to play in the play-in game. That's exactly what UCLA did last year, and they went all the way to the final four. Yeah. Um. Some more on that Memphis team. Like you just said, they're getting hot. But when they are at full strength, 
and playing as well as they are, they're one of the best teams. Not just in their conference, but in the country, in my opinion. When they're fully healthy, which hasn't been often this year, but they also just completed the season sweep of Houston, which is Luke's, one of his biggest frauds in college basketball, as we mentioned last week. So, good good end of the season, regular season for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, another team I have written down is is Murray State. Uh, We talked about them. You know, they're obviously a 30-win squad. They've only lost twice. You know, it only takes one loss in the tournament to knock you out, but they're slowly moving up to a seven seed. They uh, they could make some noise here. They could pull off a few upsets off the bigger squads, I think. Um, now, funny enough, I only had one Power Five school on that <laughs> on those rankings of teams being hot, but really, I think this is the year of like the mid majors, like the Mountain West Conference is going to have four teams get in. Uh, the West Coast Conference is going to have at least three, if not four, with BYU getting in. So some of these – you think – could San Francisco get in? Yeah, I think they're in. Yeah, I think they'll be a 10 or 11. I think they're pretty much locked into their spot. They've had some good quality wins. Um, and then the American with Houston and Memphis. Uh, you could see an SMU even. They're kind of on the fringe right now if they get in. They got multiple teams as well. So some of these conferences that aren't necessarily Power 5 are getting a lot of schools in. And the Mountain West is a conference to look out for this year. Wyoming has been Colorado State. Colorado State is the team that is really good, though. Wyoming was good at a point. I think they're kind of starting to fall off now. So maybe be a little cautious with them. San Diego State is getting hot as well. They're a team to look out for if they get in. Uh and what's the other team? Boise State. I don't know how to feel about Boise State. I haven't watched. I don't think I've watched a single game of theirs this year. But I just I can't wait. I can't wait to look at that bracket and just fill it out. Mm-hmm. That's I I can't wait for it. Yeah. No, I'm really excited. I'm really excited for uh, in a couple of days. I love the SEC tournament and then the ACC tournament, even though you say it's way down this year. Uh, oh, I'll still have fun with it. Yeah. So I'm really excited for those. The best part about the ACC tournament and the SEC tournament and stuff is that they're during the, during the day. Mm-hmm. So you can watch them like during school and stuff. Yeah. So that's the best part about them in my opinion. But yeah, my dad actually would, uh, take off school, skip school, skip class, and watch the ACC tournament back in his day. And so. It used to be a big thing, the ACC oh, yeah. tournament. Yeah. That was the one that was really widely televised back in the day when not everything was televised. Yeah. So This is the big basketball conference. Um, That's pretty much all I have for college. Yeah, groups. I think next week we'll – I think we're looking to maybe record after – selection sunday hopefully so we'll have the fresh thoughts on that and you know bracket predictions because we should have the bracket by then so um next week's show will be a fun one for sure yeah uh this one's kind of just like a like a build up like we're we're getting getting there there. yeah currently up by eight here on drake about seven and a half minutes left yeah this game will probably be over by the time we're done yeah, I mean, Loyola Chicago, they they have really showed – I mean, they held you and I to zero field goals. You and I was the number one team in the Missouri Valley this year. They held them to zero field goals in the last 16 minutes of the game yesterday. Yeah, I saw that on Twitter. Absolutely incredible. 16 – that's almost an entire half they held them to zero field goals. That They got some of the best defense. They got – uh. Drew Valentine is their head coach, which I'm pretty sure he's Denzel Valentine's brother because they look exactly alike. Uh, not confirmed. Not confirmed either. I That's an assumption. But they do look exactly alike, and they have the same last name. So it's an assumption. Um, educated guess, if you will. Yeah. So I, I don't know how they're going to perform. That's going to be – you know, they have some guys on that team that – Lucas Williamson, for example, I didn't even know he still played, but he's been there a long time, and he's got a lot of postseason experience. And this is a good defensive squad, and you know that that's what comes in handy in the tournaments. 
in the big dance is good defense. That's why Syracuse always does so good in these tournaments. Mm-hmm. They got good defense. They got the zone. Yeah, but they're probably not going to get in unless they win the thing, the ACC tournament. Would not surprise me. I actually think it would surprise me this year. They just not exactly the same, but we've seen it before when they've had records very similar to this one, and then they'll make the Sweet 16. So, yeah, we'll see. And they got Buddy and Jimmy Beheim. Yeah, they got but- the Beheim trio. Wild the hat trick of Bayheims. Only one of them has killed a person, too. Only one, yeah. It was accidental. He didn't mean to do it. He did get a standing ovation when he walked into the yeah. arena on his first game back, but which was uh, kind of a tough scene for Syracuse. But uh, that's in the past, it's, it's in the past. He apologized, he wasn't drunk either, so it, it's forgivable, I guess. But yeah. He does still have to live that with that he killed a man. So, yeah. All right. Well, I think that'll wrap it up. But we do actually have some NFL stuff. You want to take that out? Why? If everything sounds fine, because I noticed you're like really like slow. Oh no, it's fine. Okay. Oh, it's good. Um, NFL NFL update. update. Uh, this actually happened on Monday, I believe. But Allie Marpet. Retires after seven seasons with the Buccaneers. I'm sorry, he retired on Sunday. Um, this was a little bit of a shocker to me, kind of out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Kind of like an Andrew Luck, obviously way less scale because it's not a quarterback, but just a great player. It was a great player for the Buccaneers. Still young, too. Right yeah, in the right in the prime. 28 years old. Yeah. Um which opens up a new hole in the offensive line for the Buccaneers and a little bit less appealing to go there for anybody in free agency. And then I'm hearing lots of stuff today on Twitter that Ryan Jensen, the most coveted center in free agency this year, has been looking at teams like the Steelers and such. And so if they're out an offensive guard and they're all pro center, not to mention their missing time. Hall, Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah, exactly. So, um, not great news for the Buccaneers lately. Um, but one thing to note, interestingly enough, the Buccaneers will also play the first NFL game in Germany mm-hmm. this upcoming season, which is interesting. Um, there is like an NFL Europe thing but I don't think there's ever been a game in Germany. Who are they playing? That actually hasn't been decided oh, yet. okay. But they have been named the home team in that game. Yeah, I know the Packers have a very similar situation, except it's in London. And the Packers are actually the only team that has never played overseas before in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, That's what I saw, anyway. That's what my sources were telling me. So, finally get to... Have that this year. That would be cool, oh, especially yeah. if we have Rodgers and Devontae back, which Rodgers is set to make his decision on what he's going to do on Tuesday. Tuesday. So mark your calendars. Uh, stream the Pat McAfee show during the day because he will be announcing his decision. I hope to God that it's back with the Packers, but if not, I just want him to be happy. <laughs> um, also – Matt Nagy to coach quarterbacks in Kansas City. So he was hired to coach the quarterbacks. So Patrick Mahomes, which is this is kind of an interesting hire because uh, Nagy could have drafted Mahomes all those years ago, but it could be no. an easy segue job. That wasn't Nagy. That was Ryan Pace that drafted yeah, him. But Nagy still, wasn't there. He wasn't there at all? No. Well, he was with the Chiefs, wasn't he? I thought that was his first or second year. I I will look it up. I thought that was his first off season at least. But interesting hire because it, it could be an easy segue job back to head coaching for Nagy. Um, but that's pretty much it. Um, Kyler Murray wants a long-term deal with the Cardinals. Um, Eric Burkhart, Murray's agent says that Murray's proposal for a new deal is in the same stratosphere 
as other big name quarterbacks in the market, but what's other players to be signed as well on the team. So, yeah, I mean, he's been a pro bowler twice, I think now, and he was rookie of the year, his rookie year, but you know, they got blasted in the playoffs and he was a little upset that he was the scapegoat for all of that. He hasn't had, he hasn't done anything crazy yet mm-hmm. in terms of postseason success or any success that has any real type of meaning. Yeah. Like you Cardinals. could, a lot of uh, people are saying Lamar Jackson has none of the postseason success, but he had an MVP. Mm-hmm. Kyler Murray, I don't even think he's finished top three yet. So to get, no. to get that kind of money would be a little ridiculous, I think. I mean, he's obviously a good quarterback, and I, if I was the Cardinals, I wouldn't mind paying him a big contract to stay, but not at the scale that he wants. Like, that's that's going to be too much money. I don't think any team's going to give him that, unless, like, they're desperate for a quarterback, yeah. like the Washington football team or something. Well, and he's still on his rookie contract. Like, he has one more year left. Um, so they need to let that play out, in my opinion, mm-hmm. to see if – because maybe he'll make another big jump. He has gotten better every single year, but he needs to make another leap to get the kind of money that he wants. Yeah, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, I honestly think that's that's not hit the fault of his own. I think that's the fault of his coach, who, by the way, just got an extension in yep. twenty twenty seven, and the GM was also extended. Yes. Well, the GM, I think, is. I think he's been doing a fine. No, job. he's fine. I'm- but Cliff Kingsbury is—he's got this problem where he's a first half coach, like not not the first half of games, like the Kyle season. Shanahan is. He's a first half of games coach, but he's a first half of the season. Well, he will go on a run. He did it with Texas Tech when he was the head coach there. He's done it in almost every single year, um, except for maybe his very first year, where they start off hot. They're one of the best teams. Like, oh, they're Super Bowl favorites. And then by the end of the year, they're a wild card team, barely sneaking into the playoffs. Like the complete opposite of what Brian Flores would do. You know, Brian Flores would he would suck at the beginning of the year, and then they'd go on a run late in the season and barely miss the playoffs. But everyone's like, oh, they fall hard, you know. Yeah. So. And we've talked about that earlier on in our shows. No, we didn't. That was the one that got deleted when we talked about that. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, okay. That was yeah. before we got everything working. I think that was the very first episode, too. So, like, if a team would hire, like, a dual head coach, yeah. you know, this is just hypothetical. I don't even know if this is possible. But if they could hire Cliff Kingsbury to coach the first eight or nine games of the season and then have him step down and have Brian Flores take the reins for the last half of the season – that's a pretty unstoppable team right there. Yeah. I mean, that that's like the coaching combo. Or maybe if you're the Dolphins and want to lose, you you hire Brian Flores for the first half and Cliff Kingsbury for the second half. But Yeah, and then they can just both take payments of like $100,000 mm-hmm. per game. Um, also, the NFL COVID protocols will not be in place next season. Yeah, probably um, good. As agreed on by the NFL and the NFLPA, so – yeah, probably good. I think a lot of those – I think the players weren't even following them in the postseason anyway because they didn't want to sit out for a postseason game. So I don't blame them either. You know, that's what you work for the whole season is the playoffs. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Aaron some- Rodgers is happy about that. So Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, some NFL Combine stuff. This was all this week. Uh, Sam Howe was asked to shoot – a mini hoop for the Eagles went two for five. And he says he thinks he fell on their draft board, which was kind of funny. Um, Matt Corral says he has no regrets regarding playing in the bowl game when he hurt himself, which I love because I love it when they play in the bowl games. And I also understand when they don't, but I just thought it was cool that he voiced that. So people like don't continue to barrage him with questions about that. Uh, one thing about the the mini hoop. Have you seen that video of Nick Sirianni? Yeah. And the reporter in Nick Sirianni was basically Steph Curry on the mini hoop. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I don't even know what he did before he was a coach. I assumed he played football in some form. But 
I wouldn't be surprised if he was also a basketball star too, because he was kind of. I don't. I understand why they actually have prospects shoot these mini hoops because they need someone who can compete with Nick Sirianni in the training camp mini hoop games. Yeah, because you know, Nick Sirianni's probably blowing them all out of the water, except for maybe Gardner Minshew. I've heard he's pretty good at at the mini hoop, um, as well. But probably why they signed him. Probably, and Nick Sirianni was with the. No, he's with the Colts. Never mind. I was gonna say with the Jaguars, but. He probably had some good looks at Gardner Minshew when he was with the Colts. Yeah, in division. Yeah. Um, Kenny Pickett's hands were measured at eight and a half inches, which is very small for an NFL quarterback. Yeah, I wonder what my hands are. I actually measured mine Thursday, and mine are nine inches exact. Really? And, but I don't think that the hand size really means that much. Because wait, wait, hold on. Hold on. I'm going to measure mine on yours. Close is it? I think I'm a little longer. Yeah, you might be. So you might be like a nine and a an eighth or something like that. But Joe Burrow quarterback. had small hands, and according to the metrics, he was the most accurate quarterback this year. So there's that on hand size. And according to me, I think Kenny Pickett was actually the best quarterback in the ACC this year, even better than Sam Howell. Um, one thing to worry about with Kenny Pickett, though, is that uh, your Pittsburgh Steelers are looking at drafting him, right? They're looking at drafting all kinds of guys, though, it seems yeah, like. But it, I think Kenny Pickett seems to be a favorite among Steelers fans, you know, to lead the team. But I think what you have to worry about is with his small hands playing in that the cold weather in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah, you really have to worry about that. I mean – because not a lot of guys with small hands can really play up there in that Pittsburgh environment, yeah. you know, football, you know, yeah, it's not like he's ever done it before. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely has never done that. It's not, in fact, it's probably has never even set foot in Heinz field. Yeah. I, I actually uh, don't even think he knows what the state of Pennsylvania looks like. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. He's not, you know, he doesn't live there. He's never yeah. even seen it on a map. I don't think wow. so. That's certainly a worry if you're a Steelers fan. That yeah. You might just be like, it might have a culture shock, you know? Have yeah. like, yeah. All new facilities and everything. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, the last good eight and a half inch quarterback in the NFL was actually Michael Vick. So he had a pretty good successful career. He also that. played inside, indoors. I guess half the time. Yeah, he also made his dogs play inside too, if you know what I mean. But <laughs> <laughs> and he played in Pennsylvania too with the Eagles. Yeah, so, that's he true. Played really good there. So was that before or after McNabb? McNabb? Yeah, it was after. It was in 2012. It was after. I thought Donovan McNabb was after Michael Vick. No, he was before. I don't even really remember McNabb, to be honest with you. No. Uh, I watched the receivers run the 40, which was fun. Uh, the top 10 wide receiver times, I actually got them right here. Tyquan Thornton was had a 4-2-1, but revised it. 4-2-8. Yeah. Uh, Tennessee, Velas Jones Jr., 4-3-1. Calvin Austin for Memphis, 4-3-2. White guy from Cincinnati, Alec Pierce, four three three, fourth fastest time. Uh, some other notable names: Christian Watson from North Dakota State, four three six; Garrett Wilson from Ohio State, four three eight; Chris Olave, four three nine. So, pretty fast. Uh, do you have the the time on Jordan Davis? Yeah, I the know. 350 I know pound defensive lineman. Yeah, 478. And for comparison, Jerry Rice ran a 471. So he's 350 pounds, like 6'7, plays defensive line, and he's as fast as Jerry Rice. Pretty much. And it's incredible how much our athletes have evolved over yep. the past 30 years. Exactly. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, and it's it was fun watching him at Georgia because he was just bigger. Mm -hmm. Than a lot of guys, not everybody, because you know, people look at him and he's huge, 
but they also forget that he's going up against SEC offensive linemen who turns out also are very large no matter what school you're looking at. Mm-hmm. So, Except for Evan Neal. I mean, he's, he, he's, he's large, but he's not large. I don't know if you saw that picture yeah. or not where he, he looks super skinny. Yeah, but... even though he's 340. Yeah. That's incredible, the amount of athletic ability yeah. that these guys have. Anyone that says they could play it down in the NFL without getting killed is probably wrong. Just probably. any normal person, you know. Yeah. I think, yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, That kind of pretty much all the NFL stuff that kind of happened, really. Not a whole lot. Combine has been cool. Uh, I don't know if you saw the Malik Willis thing. The Liberty quarterback mm-hmm. gave some clothes to a guy that was struggling on the streets in Indianapolis. Yeah, that was a very classy thing to see from Malik Wills. One thing I hate about this, though, is the internet. When they, and you know, obviously the video was posted online, which is, is cool. You know, the guy saw it out. He was like eating in a restaurant across the street or something and saw it. So he posted it online. And there's so many comments like, oh, this is fake. This is set up. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's how much people don't believe that there's good in the world yeah. anymore. Is that they will go to these like Somebody is literally, he's, he like gave them like, two t-shirts or something yeah out of his suitcase nothing crazy it's not like he gave him like yeah ten thousand dollars he just gave him a few t-shirts doesn't even have that no he just gave him a few t-shirts and people are like oh this is set up to make him look better or something that's so stupid yeah then why wouldn't other people do it all the time? exactly why wouldn't yeah exactly and so, why would they choose malik willis of all people yeah exactly the liberty quarterback yeah, so that just it infuriates me when people are they say, "Oh, it's set up, it's fake." Like, just enjoy this guy. He, he's clearly a classy guy, and he made a nice gesture. I think we should appreciate that and salute him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And it, I watched the quarterbacks throw, and he looked pretty good. Um, Sam looked pretty good. He missed an out route. Very bad. Malik Willis has a big arm, though. Yeah, very deep. And he had some good accuracy on it, too. Yeah. But, honestly, almost all the quarterbacks looked good throwing. Like, even, like, Jack Cohn from Notre Dame and stuff like that, even he looked good. It's just – that's just how good NFL caliber prospect quarterbacks are, you know, when there's not 250-pound linebackers rushing at them and stuff like that, and they're just playing catch with receivers. That's just how good they are. Yeah. So um, I have a couple of talking points here. New York City mayor can't make an exception for Kyrie Irving, meaning he still can't play home games because they have the vaccine thing for workers. I thought they were supposed to take that off. Yeah, they're taking it off, but it doesn't apply to workers. So, like, if you're working a job, then you still have to have the vaccine. Oh. Really? Um, well, FIFA, what did it apply to in the past? Just like going out like in restaurants or stuff? I think it was people – this could be wrong because I didn't research that far into it. But I thought it was like workers and people going into workplaces. Oh, so now like it eliminated it for the people going into workplaces. Yeah, I think. Oh, okay. I was under the assumption that it – it was being dropped, and that meant that Kyrie Irving could play again. But I guess that's obviously not right. As of right now. Yeah. Obviously, subject to change as things get better, which they clearly are. Um, another thing, FIFA suspends Russia from the World Cup, and Russia has already peeled. So is UEFA. I saw UEFA like a band Russia right now. And then Jeter steps down as the vice president, shareholder as the Marlins. Yep, that was my kissing goodbye, but... Oh, my bad. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, we could talk about that a little bit. Uh, yeah, so a few things. You want to do tough scene of the week here? Yeah, well, go ahead and jump into the tough All scene right. of the week. Our tough scene is that we still have not received our ad that we're supposed to run, so uh, we're still waiting on that. I have no idea when that's going to come in. My actual t- tough scene of the week is... The NFL Combine 40-yard dash timer. timer guy. Yeah. 
I don't know what his name is, but he's brand new this year because the NFL has had this one guy doing it for like years. years. Yeah, years. And he was really good at it, but he just retired after last year. And they have a new guy this year, and there were some pretty bad times. Like, so obviously they time it originally, and then they go back and look at the film to get the exact time, which is kind of weird how they do that and micromanage it and stuff, and why they even need a timer in the first place, like to get the unofficial time. But uh, Taekwon Thornton, who ended up running a 4-2-8, was originally timed at 4-2-1, which would have been an NFL combine record. Uh, and so people were going nuts. Oh, he broke the read. He's the fastest guy ever. And then, oh, turns out, you know, he's actually not that close. I mean, he's still fast. 4 2 eight's insanely fast, but he's not that close to the record. Yeah, not 4 2 one um, Probably the biggest one was Chris Olave. Yeah. It was measured at 4 2 six, which is one of the fastest times measured ever. And people are like, I didn't know Chris Olave was this fast. Well, turns out he's not. He's yeah. a 4 3 nine. That was 0. 0.13 off, which is a lot, a lot in in in, in real four time. and a half seconds. Yeah, in a four and a half second span, 0. 0.13 is a lot. You know, if we were just going like that, then it wouldn't be that much. But in in that measurement, that is a lot, and that's just something that that guy's gonna have to clean up next year. No, yeah, <laughs> but it's kind of funny to already look at that, and it's not that this never happened before with the old guy. He's yeah. just better at it. Mm-hmm. So, um, my first tough scene of the week was on Wednesday, March 2nd. Three men protested outside of the MLB HQ in New York with signs like Man Fraud and Manfred Hates Baseball. You may know these people as Jersey Jerry, Frank the Tank, and Dougs. Coach Dougs. Coach Dougs. The police were called. In the picture, it looks like they were cuffed. So I guess baseball not only hates, or MLB not only hates baseball, but also freedom of speech. Yeah. They're basically a terrorist organization. I mean, if you ask me, Rob Manfred is basically the equivalent of Osama bin Laden at this point, or Adolf Hitler, really, the way he's uh, punishing the fans uh, and the players, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, players want to take a protest, and he shoots them down, just like kind of like Kim Jong Un would. Mm-hmm. So, our Manfred is a dictator of baseball. He's a yeah. dictator. He's not a man that loves it at all. So, yeah. Um, also, I don't know if you. I think you did see this, but in that Timberwolves and Thunder game the other night, the Timberwolves stole the ball and had a fast break layup only to be deterred by a group of Thunder janitors cleaning the floor, like slick spots, you know, and whatnot. Not a great look, though, for people that say Jordan played against plumbers and janitors because today's generation couldn't score against the janitors either. Yeah, the the guy actually, he wasn't even trying to block him, and he did. I mean, he he was just standing turned the other way, and he actually got the defensive stop, so... Um, smart move by the Thunder. I wonder if we'll see this by more teams. Yeah, you know, stop the fast break there. I don't. Did they call a foul? No. So here's the thing, that should be an instant technical, mm-hmm. and the refs just let it go, which was kind of hilarious to watch the video <laughs> in real time. The because they get the steal, they're running down the floor, easy layup, and the janitors are just in their way, blocking them, <laughs> just scrubbing the floor, not even a clue what's going on, and he misses the layup. And he also runs into the janitors as well. Yeah. So if it if he would have made it, should have been an and one, but didn't make it. And then boom, just like that, the Thunder got the board and we're back down the floor like nothing happened. No technical foul, no nothing. Absolutely. I'd never seen anything like that before. That was yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You just don't really see that that often. I mean, they have to clean the floor super fast so guys, you know, are safe when they're coming back down the floor on those slick spots and they just were not ready for it and got hammered. Yeah. It was really funny though. They were just, they had not a clue in the world of what was going on. And the fact that they didn't call a foul made it funnier. So I don't know if this is a tough scene for the thunder or if it's a tough scene for the officials. It might be both. I would say it's a tough scene for the timber 
That's true. The, the, the layup against janitors. I think they won, though. I think they Yeah, pretty. they were winning. They were up by, like, 16 or something during the shot. Um, and then also, like you said, tough scene on the refs for having no idea what to do in that situation. But also kind of classy to just let them play. No, that's that's an obstruction of the game. Like I am all for letting them play, especially at the end of the game, whenever they have so many replays that makes NBA impossible to watch. But honestly, this is that's an obstruction of the game. Like that is a non-basketball play. You have to call that. <laughs> I would be furious if I was a Timberwolves, especially if it was a closer game. Obviously, yeah. it wasn't, but yeah, very funny scene. Yeah, they, they were not supposed to be there. <laughs> no, that was funny. That's all my uh, tough scenes. Yeah, I only had one. Yeah. So so I think since we last recorded, baseball officially MLB will have to cancel, I think, what, the first two series of the regular season? Yes, first six six games, I do believe. Right now. Yeah, so like opening day right now is scheduled to start like a week later than usual, which isn't going to be that big of a deal if that's – what ends up happening, but I think we, any of us with a brain know that that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's going to be at least a month to two months that's going to get canceled, if not the whole season, um, because these sides are so far apart on the negotiations and they're not meeting. Like they met today. It was the first time since uh, it was officially announced. Honestly, a tough scene by Manfred there in his press conference. Okay, actually, let's back right here. So Monday at midnight after, you know, Monday, that was supposed to be the deadline. The owner said if they didn't get the deal done by then. They pushed it back, though, didn't they? Yeah. They said if they didn't get the deal done by then, then they would cancel regular season games. But according to the media, negotiations started to meet up. They met like 14 times or something that day. They The lawyers were walking back and forth the whole day. They were really trying to get a deal done. I think they were making progress. But uh, reports were saying they were super close to a deal. And then it went backwards. That actually was never the case. They weren't close to a deal at all. Uh, My guess is the owners were probably feeding the media wrong information so that whenever they didn't reach a deal the next day, and actually that goes into it because they extended the deadline to the next day because they wanted to make people think that they were kind of close to a deal. That they're trying to make it happen. Yeah. So they were – they extended the deadline to the next day, and then obviously they made one best and final offer, and the players declined it because it wasn't that good really for them. And then after, shortly after, Rob Manfred met with the media and officially canceled games, and uh, he was caught laughing and giggling mm-hmm. while announcing the cancellation of his business really that he runs. Not a good look for baseball, not a good look for Manfred. Uh, he's probably the most hated commissioner. Yeah. I mean, the league is a, it's bad. It's in the dumpster right now. Yeah. I mean, even Roger Goodell, there's a good amount of people that hate him, but I've actually met some people that are indifferent about him. Me. Yeah. I've become indifferent about Goodell over the past few years because the NFL has done a lot of stuff, right? And it, he leads the league, you know, the owners and stuff in the right direction on a lot of things, including the players, and does a lot of the right things for the players. Oh, yeah, and he markets his players really well, too. Mm-hmm. That's something that the MLB does not do. Um, and that is one of the biggest things that the players want in these negotiations is better marketing, you know, to help get grow the game a little bit here. And the owners, I, I honestly have no idea what they want out of this other than – yeah, I, I, I don't know what they want out of this because they're not willing to accept change. That change has happened in the last five years. Change is certainly set to come in the next five years, and I don't think the owners are willing to accept it, and that's not how it works. So you either have to adapt or get left behind. And I think baseball right now may be on track to being left behind. Um, back to the commissioner thing that Roger Goodell, I met some people that are indifferent. I've become indifferent. You know, he's done some things that maybe are a little sneaky, you know, maybe the Rams situation, but for the most part, he's done some good things too. 
but I have not met one person that says they they like or an, or are indifferent about Rob Manfred. It's oh, I don't like him or I hate him. Mm-hmm. And I, I I just don't know how you could still operate and do the things you do, just with all that hate. So tough scene for baseball. Yeah, and there's really no end in sight right now. And of course, Bob Nightingale had to be the guy to put the news out that they were getting close, trying to find his first big break. Yep. And then wasn't to be. Yep. Yep. I think as soon as we saw Bob Nightingale tweeting that, oh, they're making progress, we should have taken that as a sign that we're it's not over. getting a deal done. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously the Trevor Bauer is signed with the Mets. <laughs> yeah. Bob Nightingale news there. John Heyman also joined in in the tweeting about the lockout potentially on its way to being over. Another sign that we should have seen the lockout was not going to be over. Those two are probably they're I'm not going to say they're dumb, but they've certainly not had a lot of big breaks in mm-hmm. the business. So, uh, yeah, that's that's all I got to say about that. It's a tough scene. There'll probably be not much more news other than more games being canceled. Um, but it seems like a lot of the players are united. Like they, they want a cause, they want change, they want to fight for their rights, and the rights of uh, the younger players really too. And they're not going to be thrown around by the owners. So unless the owners give in a little bit, because I think the players' association is willing to give in a little bit. Um, obviously, they're staying strong right now, but. They just they both have to give in a little bit, and I don't see that happening anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so far apart. One, the I think the only positive thing that's come from all of this is that the growth of college baseball has kind of taken off lately. Um, they're selling out stadiums. You know, mm-hmm. college stadiums are being sold out for college baseball, or it's even the cool. the LSU game. They had a game at the Houston Astros Stadium, mm-hmm. Minute Maid Park, and that was a sellout. That crowd, that was like watching a major league game with the crowd mm-hmm. there. I mean, yeah. that was amazing. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It's cool to see its growth in this short amount of time and also its growth really stemming kind of from last year's College World Series to now, which is cool. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, obviously NC State has Tommy Tanks. Mm-hmm. You know, he had eight home runs in his first seven games. I, I don't know what it is now. I haven't really kept up this yeah. week. I know it went from, like you just said, eight and seven, and then I know he did nine and eight. <laughs> so I don't know if his run is still going on, but yeah, very very cool to see these players that maybe you never heard of. It kind of reminds me of college basketball in a way, because like every team has it has a chance really. So, yeah. um, and you can have guys from any school step up really. Oh yeah. Like I know Stetson is a big baseball school and they're just in the middle of nowhere in Florida. So <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a lot more D one baseball schools, I think. than obviously D one football and then yep. probably even D one basketball. Looks like Loyola Chicago is going to win here. Yeah. Drake kind of came back a little bit. Yeah. Made it a game at the end. 6.1 seconds left. Loyola Chicago up by four and going to the line to shoot free throws. This game appears to be over. How about Loyola Chicago bouncing back? They kind of had a rough end of the regular season. People yeah. were talking about them not even making the tournament, really, after at the beginning of the year being talked about as maybe a seven or eight seed. Um, looks like they're going to get in. I would presume they're about 11, 11 seed, which is the actual number that they had when they went on their final four run. So part two, maybe. Yeah. All right. You want to jump into the say hello, kiss it goodbye yeah. segment? Kind of round out the show. Um, I'll start. Uh, my say hello is people posting heartbreaking college basketball videos on Twitter and whatnot. Uh, people yelling onions after big shots at the end of the games. Really good stuff. Really good <laughs> content for the brain on Twitter. Watching heartbreaking wins and losses for teams. Yep. So excited for it. Yep, and it's official. Chicago to the NCAA tournament. Missouri Valley Conference champions. For the second straight year. 
How about that? Um, which one were you missing? I had to kiss a goodbye, but we get the Derek Jeter. Yeah. Uh, oh, so you're kind of blank on both of them. No, I have one. Oh. My uh, my say hello is spring sports. Oh, yeah. Spring sports uh, for high school and, and really college are getting started across the nation. Uh, this week was the first one for high school. Um, and college has been going on for a few weeks now, but I mean, we're, we're in the time of spring. The weather's starting to heat up, getting, starting to get nice. Allergies are back. So say hello to spring and spring sports. Yeah. And you just started your season for Mm -hmm. baseball. Yep. Baseball started this week, just got done with the first week. So, you know, busy every day, but it's fun. Um, my kiss at goodbye is my weightlifting numbers. I haven't been able to lift really at all because of my wrist, um, which has also led me to feeling much fatter, not being able to really work out. But Wait, I have been running. You're off the pepper, though, so you I'm can't off feel the that. pepper. Yeah. But that only – it does a lot. It actually has helped. But – there's still other factors that play in when you can't really work out at all. In terms of lifting, I have started running to kind of counter it out. So, but yeah, my weightlifting numbers, they're going to go way down. Haven't been able to bench, squat, clean, any deadlift, none of that stuff. Mm. So that's really going to suck. Yeah, clean's going to take a while to come back for too with that movement with the wrist. Oh, but, yeah. Brutal. Yeah. And that may be like a month or so. So my kiss of goodbye is Derek Jeter. Kissing the goodbye the Marlins. Yep, kissing goodbye the Marlins. He has stepped down after a five-year tenure. Um, so uh, what's the guy's name? Bruce Sherman, I think, should be getting full ownership now of the Miami Marlins. Uh, yeah. I think the Marlins are just – Derek Jeter said that the reason he stepped down was because of they were not going in the right direction that he he wanted. They had different goals, basically. And Derek Jeter was on a lot of winning teams, and he won a lot. And so you have to think that his mindset is to win. Um, Hasn't he – I'm pretty sure he's lost, like, Ozuna. Has he – was he there when they – Lost I think that was right when he first got there, and they started to rebuild again. And now they're no, no, that was that's Braves. Um, and now they're kind of starting to rebuild, and they're kind projected of. to. They were started, you know, projected to be kind of good this year and really good next year. They got a really, really good pitching staff with Sandy Alcantara, Pablo Lopez, some of the big names leading that. Uh, Sandy Alcantara, former Cardinal, by the way. Went there in the Ozuna trade. There's somebody else that that was a big name over the last few years. John Carlston. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he kind of wanted to leave, I think. Yeah. But and didn't they used to have like a? They've changed up the stadium too. I know over the last few years. Yeah, they took the statue out. Yeah, that was, was a giant field, fish. Like, the fish statue. Yes. yes. Yeah, I that was that last field. year. Yeah, I was watching the games at. I think it's. Lone Depot Park now. Yep. And there was no giant fish. And I just remember the fish really clearly because of the home run derby there that was there a few mm-hmm. years ago. Aaron it was Judge. really awesome. Uh-huh. Yeah, I I remember that. And the Jeter took it out. He took out the statue and then left. Uh, I think they took out the fish behind home plate, too. They used to have a fish tank uh, behind home plate. And I think that got taken out, like, really fast. Like, that was... They're like, this isn't going to work. This is probably not our best. Yeah, I mean, it was cool because it was different, but I think the Marlins here, they're going to get good, maybe make a playoff appearance, and then just trade away all their people again like they always do. Them and the Pirates are consistently bad for one reason. It's because they don't ever want to pay their players to stay. They would rather be mediocre, and that's probably why they don't have a lot of fans. But (laughs) Marlins, man. Marlins, man, yeah, he's got – I don't know how you can root for the Marlins. That's got to be so painful. Well, he roots for, like, the game, too. 
going to all these cool sporting events. Yeah, he, he makes good. He support. He he is actually probably the biggest advertiser for the Marlins. Mm-hmm. Honestly, he does it for free. I don't. The Marlins aren't paying him. So, uh, Marlins. If I were the Marlins, I'd personally send a thank you note to that guy every single year. I had honestly give him free season tickets every single year for right behind home plate. Yep. Which is where he always sits. Yeah. That's what I would do because he's he's a super fan. He's might be the biggest fan of one team in baseball. Really. Yeah. You know, and he's still he's a fan of the orange. So maybe bring back the orange too. Yeah, they got rid of that too. Yeah, Jeter got rid of that as well. But yeah, Derek Jeter, maybe say hello to the Yankees. Probably not though. But I think he's probably done with the baseball managing like the front office side of it. I don't think he really enjoyed it that much with the Marlins, but yeah, very wild news. We, that was broken like right in the middle of the talks for like when the, they're trying to get the new CBA and it was like, oh, we have breaking news, but it's actually that Derek Jeter is stepping down. So wrong news that we wanted, but yeah. So yeah, that wraps up pretty much everything. Uh, like have a little new camera angle, and uh, you're all the way over there now. Yeah, hopefully the audio is okay. There's going to be a few times where it's going to sound weird because I can I've got it in my ear and it cut out a few times, but oh. not much. So we'll be good to go. Thanks for listening. Yeah, a little bit of a shorter show today. Wasn't mm-hmm. as much news this week. Next one we'll have a lot because obviously the tournament. Yep, tournament bracket should be released. Um, just keep in mind with the brackets, keep in mind with the thread that mm-hmm. will continue this week, probably in full force. A lot of teams will be eliminated this week. So yeah. yeah. Follow us on Twitter. Like we say every episode. That's that's about it. Yeah. Well, uh see you guys next time. Thanks yes. for listening. You guys have a great week. No, please, no, please, everyone be quiet.